1: Hey, you know, the other day I asked you what you were hitting, and you said the gas
0: pedal, so... Uh, exactly. Did you not feel that, you know, your, your head pushed back, your, your, you got pushed back in the seat, almost like a whiplash.
1: You know, the surge, you know, I'm just driving a new car, couldn't yeah. believe it, yesterday we got on the 401, and a sign comes up on the dash that says, cautious, serious traffic problems ahead. I couldn't believe it. Why not? You know that the electronics nowadays. I was on um, uh, Waze, and I guess uh, Waze must have told the car to tell me (laughs) that we were in the wrong lane.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty. It is pretty.
0: (laughs) It is pretty intelligent. And you know what? Mine always comes on, and it flashes the speed limit. Why? Because I'm always exceeding the speed limit. Fascinating. So today everything. we're going to be
1: talking with um, Carrie Schmidt from the OPP. It's going to be the long weekend. Uh, we'll talk about uh, stunt driving and, and all that good stuff. Uh, the second interview is going to be with Dave McLean. The auto show uh, may not be on this year. It may be a virtual auto show. So we're going to be talking about how they're going to handle that situation. And thirdly with us is going to be Deborah Hendrickson from yes. Wayfarer Insurance. And mm-hmm. that's not Wayfarer, the guys that sell the couches. This is Wayfarer Insurance that sells us RV insurance. RVs are big. We went up Highway 11. You wouldn't believe how many are there. There's people, guys selling RVs.
0: uh, Who are they? Deadheads? (laughs) Was there funny smoke traveling behind the
1: vans? Yeah, uh, I couldn't believe it. A funny smell? Unbelievable! How many RVs are around and expensive? So these folks are going to talk about that. So it's going to be an interesting mm-hmm. program. Take us out, Al, and Let's get started.
0: You know, it's a good thing we didn't have carry on yet with all us talking about speeding and driving too fast and everything, eh?
1: Uh-huh. All go. right, <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't wrap me out, Dave. Come on, <laughs> this is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back.
1: Alrighty we have uh, Carrie Schmidt with us, our famous cop. Uh, <laughs> Constable of police, that's what it is, cop. Carrie, <laughs> how are you?
3: I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day, and I can't believe summer is almost over.
1: It is. It's the official uh, summer is over. All the cottage prices come down now because the weekend is the long weekend of the, the end of the summer.
0: Yeah, exactly. but you know what? The, the exhibition's not on, so I thought maybe we could get a couple more weeks out of it, eh? Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, the forecast has been beautiful. We've had such an amazing summer. We've had all this heat, and the heat is continuing. Uh, I want to enjoy it for as long as I can. I'm not looking forward to uh, winter just yet, so I want to embrace oh. this uh, sunshine while we have it. So all right, let's well, this talk is about the long weekend.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. going to say all the construction on the 400 series highway. That's really going to be a problem. I was on that on the highway during the week, and it's unbelievably how complicated it is.
3: Well, there is, and, and in those construction zones, there's zero shoulders in many cases. There's road realignments. There's reduced speed limits, uh, but yet there's still the same traffic volume. And although we saw a huge decline in traffic through March, April, and May, that traffic volume seems to be all returned, and it only takes one person just that Slightest inattention, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have got a fender bender, which can uh, jack jackpot into a huge pileup. And we've seen massive uh, uh, injuries and, and serious injuries from uh, crashes and secondary crashes. So, clearing those highways as quickly as possible is so important. But you know, avoiding being in the, those moments is that much
1: more important. So, you can- Gary, why are they so aggressive? Uh, you know, it's it's like it's like they're in a car race.
3: Well, that's what it seems like, doesn't it? Uh, the speed limits are there for everybody, uh, and yeah, yeah, we're building highways. Uh, the government is is working hard on expanding uh, transportation access, but you know, in the meantime, there might be some inconveniences and delays. And if you're going to be doing that, you need to you know pay attention because that is uh, your only responsibility when you're driving a vehicle. And if you have uh, just that uh, moment when you're not paying attention, it can just r- result in just uh, just a huge disaster for so many people that are that are piling behind you and we're now stuck in, in a congestion mm-hmm. traffic jam. You know? Yeah, well, it's hard to do when you're on the phone. You know, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. We, you know, we look at distraction and attentive uh, feeding. We've had 179 people die already this year. Wow. Um, the, Feeding was uh, the leading factor in 32 of those deaths, uh, 28 because of being distracted, inattentive, and uh, the same number for alcohol or drug use. So that is uh, that thing. But I'll tell you one thing that is even more shocking of all those deaths, Would you believe that more people have died in collisions because they weren't wearing their seatbelt than any one of those? That's crazy. Not-
0: I, I can't understand why people don't know. do that.
3: I know, 34 deaths already this year because of non-use uh, of seat belts. And, uh, you know, that law has been in place for 40 years already. It's, it should be a no-brainer. But, you know, you're on the highway and people are getting thrown from vehicles, getting ejected. If there's a rollover, you know, we have all these safety systems in our vehicles. But if we're not buckled in place, those airbags aren't going to inflate in front of us. The roll cage isn't going to protect us around us because we're getting tossed around inside the vehicle. And, you know, that's probably the biggest reminder to everybody. You know, you think you're safe in a car, but uh, if you're not wearing a seatbelt, you're very vulnerable. And and I like to talk about the vulnerable people as well that are out uh, on the roads as pedestrians and bicyclists and motorcyclists as well, because that's been a huge concern. Uh, Motorcycle fatalities are way up this year. Uh, 26 dead already this year. And and that's uh, significantly higher than we were last year.
1: And they get getting hit by cars, or is that just just, uh, reckless
3: driving? It depends. Uh, I don't have all the breakdown of how many are are single vehicle or two vehicle. but in about half of those fatalities, the motorcyclist was doing nothing wrong, and they were either affected by someone else's movement, an intersection, a lane change, or or something that uh, caused their death. So we often think that it's the motorcyclists that are ripping up the highway, going mock, whatever, but mm. you know, and and certainly we do see that, and we have complaints about that. But it's also those cruisers that are guys uh, and, and girls enjoying the outdoors, uh, getting that uh, wind uh, through their hair, and, uh, and just feeling that uh, fresh air pushing around them. But they don't have that safety cage. They don't have those seatbelts. They got to well, help.
0: That's the unfortunate part is, you know, you, you can't have a small accident. There's no such thing as a fender bender when you're on a motorcycle. No. You know, if you're hit and you're down, it, it's big. All right, we got uh, we got to move along. We're, in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, actually, kids are going to be going back to school.
3: How, what can we do to uh, – sorry? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Who's Who knows where school is? School might be your living room or it might be the dining mm-hmm. room for many people. So, you know, as much as we expect uh, there will be a lot of school buses out and kids going to school, Keep in mind, there's still going to be plenty of kids having recess on their sidewalks or on their driveways in their communities. So uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, transition as kids are going back into school schooling. But what that looks like uh, is kind of like, you know, how many people are going back to work at the office? Many people are still working from home and only now are beginning to look at back-to-office, uh, you know, Programs and protocols and, and how this will, will turn out. But again, kids are excited to, to see their friends and they're not going to be thinking about crosswalks, sidewalks, and traffic. So, you know, again, it comes down to drivers. Make sure you know what's going on in front of you.
1: Still, STAR
3: OPP still work? All the time. You bet on your cell phone. That's the one time you can call police if you. If you are driving, and need to make a call to police for an emergency. Star OPP on your cell phone, 911, obviously, for an emergency as well. And uh, we will get officers uh, in place and positioned to assist. You know, we've been getting calls of all kinds of rescues and emergencies, uh, people out on vacation, camping, traveling around. And uh, we're we're out there as best we can to, you know, be visible you know, we're doing traffic education. We're also doing traffic enforcement. So, you know, make sure you understand the rules of the road, especially in those construction zones. When you see uh, police cars, fire trucks, ambulances, tow trucks, make sure you're slowing down as you approach. Move over. Um, yep. You know, that's our office as well. So just yep. keep in mind what's going on out there.
1: People don't realize how fast it actually is. If so you stand by the side of the road and they go by you at 100 k's, wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think uh, people have to realize, you know, you know, everybody's in a hurry to get to where they're going. Um, I heard an expression from actually an old policeman where he said, if you get in an accident, that's really going to slow you down and make you late. So
1: just slow down.
3: Exactly.
1: Exactly It's simple. It's easy. Gary, thank you so much for taking time. Amen. Have a great uh,
3: Labor Day holiday long weekend back to September, back to whatever routine looks like and all the best to everyone out there.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Gary. All right. Oh, Dave. You know, I had one one little uh, point myself that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Here's a tip from Al: pack an extra mask for your kid. You know, they they lose everything, eh? Oh yeah yeah,
1: and, yeah, 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 yeah. And
0: you want it to be safe, so put an extra mask in their lunch bag. Tell them to leave it in their desk or their locker because you want to have your kid protected. You know, so even though they maybe lose their head if it wasn't attached, eh?
1: <laughs> Actually, you know, you're not, you you go into the store. Like, I went to the bank and I forgot my mask. The guy actually gave me one. And uh, I apologized. I was in the car.
0: But don't forget, he still knows who you are, eh? Yeah, it's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of these days, I like to write a check at the bank with (laughs) bounce.
0: All right, after the break, we're going to go through some emails. We got lots of people have mailed us in questions, and we're going to check them out. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back.
1: Alrighty, we're back. I'm Dave Reniger and I'm with Al. Uh, And we have a bunch of emails that people have sent us. And one of them is, and it it kind of upsets me because I run into this a lot when we were in the business, is people shopping repairs. You know, they phone you up and they said, you know, I need a set of shocks. What's it going to cost to put in? And then they hang up and they're going to phone somebody else and try and get another price. It really bothers me. Uh, it's, you know, they used to say that the price on the hoist is not the same as the price on the ground.
0: So, Well, that's understandable because, first of all, you know, half the time people don't know what they need. How yes. many times have people called you and say, how much for brakes? Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's a, such a kind of question because there's a million different parts involved. First of all, you have two sets of brakes. You have front brakes. You have rear brakes. And that's not even counting the parking brake. Um, you know, do you need just pads? Do you need pads and rotors? Do you need drums? So the, the the price can change considerably. And then, of course, there's a huge difference in the quality of parts. You know, it, for people who are shopping bargain things, you know, it, it it's great when you're looking for cheap socks. You know, but you don't want cheap brakes on your car. You know, stopping at vehicle is the most important thing. We have heavy insurance. We have heavy responsibilities. The brakes have to work, and that's not something you should cheap out uh, You know out what on. the
1: other problem is, Al, is that they're looking for you to give them a commitment. And when they come in and you, it isn't exactly what they described, it's something else. All of a sudden, there's a sort of animosity between the two. Hey, that's not what you told me. You know, you guys are really not being honest with me, blah, 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 blah. And, well, don't forget, uh, that,
0: they, weren't, they weren't terribly honest with you in the first place. That's I mean, right. You know, they walked in with not necessarily a grudge, but they had a, an objective, right? They wanted the cheapest price, and they didn't care what it was going to take. But uh, you know what? I, I would let those people pass. And if if I felt that that was the case, I mean, I had someone like that just recently called me. I used to come to you years ago, and I've got a problem with the guy I'm going to, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I said, let me get back to you. And my receptionist says, you never called that guy back. And I said,
1: I don't plan on calling him back, okay? It's exactly right. So Good the reality that. is, so when you come in for repair, have the guy estimate the car on the hoist first and then talk about it.
0: Exactly, exactly. Again, you know, uh, there, there are occasions where you can, you know, lessen or lower the price. But you got to talk about it. You have to know what you're up against, and then you're all on the same page. And you next question, know- my friend.
1: Okay, next question is, we've got a gentleman with, an, with a classic car. It's a 75 Chevy Camaro, uh-huh. and it's got a 427 engine in it. Oh, does that come from the factory like that? Yeah, it must be. It must be a Copo. Okay. So the bottom line, it says he, when he revs the engine up, it makes this large ticking noise. Uh, it only happens as it warms up. Once it's fully warm, the noise goes away. And he's wondering what it could be.
0: Oh, so you're saying it's only there when it's as cold? It's warming
1: up. Oh,
0: okay. Well, um, you have to determine where the sound is coming from. I don't know if, if he can make the car or the engine make the sound when you're standing still or you have to be driving it. Um if it'll do it standing still, well, then ideally what they can do is lift the car up on the hoist and look underneath and see if there's a problem. Uh, remember years ago, Dave, what was it called, the heat riser? Yep. Um, there used to be a device on the exhaust where it would block the exhaust so that the engine would warm up faster. Yep. Um, and there was a little spring there, and it used to rust or the part would seize, and and, and then that could rattle. That was very common. My um, favorite is
1: Thermactor Air.
0: Oh, you got <laughs> your me there. the
1: thermactor what? air valve is sticking.
0: <laughs> that sounds like crap dinner. What is that?
1: <laughs> that's the air that goes into the catalytic converter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's your thermactor air. You know, so it's one of those words that that's worth like five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, what the, again?
0: You know, and, and if they can get to hear that sound from underneath the vehicle, uh, it could be a case. Don't forget, this this vehicle was early on when they first started making catalytic converters. Sure. It could yeah. be. There's an issue with the, uh, the material inside the catalytic converter where it's got a crack in it, and it, it makes noise when it's cold. But when the car heats up, the, these di- different metals will expand and then get tighter, and then the sound goes away. So oh. a lot of things – go
1: ahead. I was going to say it could also be noisy lifters, could be a stuck lifter. You know, you know a lifter that gets pumped up or as, it, as, it, as it's warming up, gets a little pressure in it.
0: Well, Dave, you know, it's, it's like the question you had before this. You know, it, it's impossible yeah. to guess without really having yeah. the car on the hoist. And, you know, what, what's the point? You're going you're gonna to give the guy, I'll give you a price on new lifters. Well, maybe yeah. all we needed was a squirt of oil or a hose clamp, right? Well, the, uh, so my
1: answer to him was actually get it into a shop and have somebody do a proper audit on the car. So- Perfect. There you go. So okay. here we have one. That gentleman's got a Lincoln. Uh huh. Okay, a 2009 or 29, 2009. I got a problem with that. 2009 Lincoln. Uh huh. So two, is it 2009 Lincoln? Yeah. Uh, he said he's with when he pulls the dipstick, he has gray foam on the stick. Uh-huh. And he's wondering is that bad or what is it? He doesn't. He's never seen it before.
0: I think he should see his doctor. Probably a couple aspirins. You know, he'll feel mm-hmm. better the next day. Uh, <laughs> now, most likely, what he's got is, or what he's looking at, is the detergent that's in the oil. Manufacturers mm-hmm. of oil put detergent in there to keep the engine insides clean. And if the engine is not warmed up, if it does a lot of short drives, instead of that foam evaporating or disappearing, it'll congeal and it'll con, it'll it'll what do they call it? There'll be a lot of it in the same spot. So right. that, that may be what it is. And if the engine did more longer runs, that would heat up and you wouldn't see it. So, oh, so none of he,
1: it's running too cold.
0: That, or he's just doing little rides. I mean, don't forget, it's it's a Lincoln. Um it could be an older person, maybe they're not driving a whole lot. Maybe it just goes to max milk and back. The engine really never has an opportunity to, to really heat up. Mm-hmm. But as you say, if if it's getting regular use, let let's say this is um, a Lincoln town car, for example, and it's doing airport runs, you're right, that shouldn't be there. So uh they should look into it. It could it even be an issue where there's antifreeze getting into the crankcase. Yeah. Um and, and that could be it as well. I, I could ask the guy if if they wanted to to actually take that foam and put it to your tongue and see if it tastes sweet. Not a lot of it. I don't want you to get sick now. Mm. Um, and if it does taste sweet, it could, in fact, be a, um, an antifreeze problem. So, you know, get it checked out.
1: Okay. Uh, just a couple of things that uh, I thought I'd bring up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are entitled to an estimate, but it's not free. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people will charge up to 50 bucks for an estimate. If so, if you're bringing the car in for service, uh, you should realize that. Uh Secondly, all work is warranted for three months or five thousand kilometers by law mm-hmm. that's That's another one that people aren't aware of uh thirdly, if we over if we give you an estimate, we're allowed to go over by ten percent without calling you but if it's more than ten percent over, we have to call and get permission
3: that's correct.
0: Right. And again, an estimate is an estimate. It's an approximation. You're doing your best to figure out what it's going to cost. But until you get started on the job and start dismantling, especially in our rusty climate here, um, you know, there's a lot of things that get seized up that break. You, you can't account for that until you actually get into the job. Exactly. So, so the go.
1: beauty is, because we have our phones, we can always take pictures and stay in touch. So that's the last point, is that we should actually be in touch with the guys at all times, so there's no 5 o'clock surprise.
0: Well, you know what, Dave? It's, it, I'm getting tired of talking about old cars. After the break, we're going to be talking to Dave McLean, who's going to be talking about the Canadian International Auto Show, how there's going to be some big changes happening. Stick around, and you can find out. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back.
1: Alrighty, we're back. My name's Dave Redinger. I'm with Alan Gumman and we have Dave McLean with us, who's the general manager of the Canadian International Auto Show. And if you know the news, you know that the auto shows are having a lot of problems. The Chicago show's been cancelled. The LA show is questionable. SEMA's been cancelled. David, how is the show doing in Toronto?
4: Well, you know, it's uh, we're we're in the same position that everybody else has has been in and is in right now with, with this pandemic, and and uh, we're in the I guess a fortunate position is that we realized last year that manufacturers were starting to call it demand more from auto shows. They wanted to know what the attribution value of auto shows was to retail sales within their immediate market area. Mm-hmm. So we looked at building out more tools, and uh, at that point in time, we had uh, commissioned a report from PwC that uh, basically stated what the value of the auto show was to retail sales from a sustainability perspective and then from a lift perspective. So it gave us a great opportunity to present manufacturers with information more than I feel, I think, I believe. We said, here's the empirical evidence. So from that, we decided that manufacturers looked like they were making decisions as to where they were going to invest their marketing dollars in terms of physical shows. And we decided that um, it would be best if we built out a virtual platform that was concurrent with our physical uh, event so that they could make decisions in Tier 2 and Tier 3 markets if, in fact, they wanted to invest their dollars in a physical show. So
1: hang on a second. A Tier 2 market would be a smaller city? Yeah, maybe Halifax. Maybe Halifax,
4: even Ottawa. You know, uh, they, they, they may or may not want to uh, to uh, participate in a the show there. I mean, it's a, it's a considerable investment that they're making, and we realize that. We understand the dollars that go into our event. So we decided, why don't we build out the tools that help them, that really build out the platform for the Canadian International Auto Show in Toronto? So if they don't want to go into those secondary markets in terms of size only, then they can drive their, their customers, their audience, and people in general into the platform that we're hosting so well, it's not the just a
1: website it 's an actual platform
4: well, this is going to be a platform experience it 's going to be a show that we 're creating and mm. i 'll explain a little bit more of that in a minute, but you know the the thing that we have to realize is that to, that this is an industry solution because everybody is on the same page, everybody is looking to you know find efficiencies in their marketing spends uh, you know it 's all about efficacy and efficiency so um, we thought that by doing this, it would give uh, you know, an opportunity for consumers to experience our show in a physical environment. But if, in fact, they couldn't, then they could do it in a virtual platform.
0: I, I don't think David, this guess- would necessarily be a, a hard sell only because the real numbers, the hard numbers of vehicle sales is down. And, and what, what more you know, to, to get them rolling again is by putting on a show somehow. Maybe you could tell well, us
4: what's this new show going to look like. Well, it's, 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 it's a virtual experience. So what we're trying to do is emulate where possible, what the Canadian International Auto Show looks like. We're going to have our own proprietary features, including our Cobble Beach Classics feature, Auto Exotica, maybe a motorsport feature. We're going to have the same sort of contesting that we have each year, $50,000 towards the purchase of a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities for manu- manufacturers to engage with consumers in, in many different ways. We can't, you know, nothing replaces a physical event and i always say that you know the virtual platform itself will uh complete the 360 degree experience and not compete with what we're doing physically so you know we had to advance our planning obviously with the pandemic hitting us in march so in our first board meeting uh call it early april we said look we don't know what's happening nobody had a crystal ball at the time nobody has a crystal ball right now so we had better accelerate our plans and make sure that we're ready for our virtual presentation in 2021 and not 2022, because our plan was, again, as, as I said, to run them concurrently uh, uh, together to, to complete the, the overall experience, so, which is what our plan will be, hopefully, in 2022.
1: Could you see that the, uh, the, you actually would cancel the show? Was that part Did of I the conversation?
4: Well, yeah, what absolutely was. We had three different scenarios that we could go on. And we have to, you know, have to understand that there's a runway of, say, six, seven months in putting the show on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so, you know, in April, we had to decide, we ran three different scenarios. This is what it looks like if we go dark and we don't do anything. This is what it looks like if we say, no, we're going full steam ahead with the planning, presentation, production of a physical event, uh, only to find out that come November, uh, it's just not possible. And this is what it looks like if we're going to build out a, a virtual platform and what our expectations are around the delivery of that platform and the audience engagement. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, it, it was quite obvious that we have to do something. So to answer your question, we can go dark and do nothing or we can do whatever is possible within our management skill set to present that at the auto industry and all of its diversity.
1: So well, you, you can know, actually have a, a, a virtual show and a physical show at the same time.
4: Exactly. That's our plan for 2022 and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for 2021, we are uh, we are obviously we are just committing to the uh, the virtual show. Uh, it, it appears that we'll be just committing to the uh, virtual event. Well, I think people are getting used to it. I mean, we've been living with COVID now for six
0: months at least. And, um, you know, a lot of people are working from home. They're getting used to it. And a lot of young people are looking for some, something new to experience. And this could actually be a positive thing, too, in, in certain ways.
4: Yeah, we, you know, we've, we've got to look at this. We have the same challenges that we have at a physical event. And what is, it, what is the reason why people come to experience the event, whether it's a platform, virtual experience? or a physical, uh, a, a physical event, rather. And we know that there are going to be differences between the two,
2: mm-hmm. but
4: we know that there is an opportunity for us to do this. And so, you know, what the, the one the, the, we looked at three big buckets, okay? The first big bucket is there has to be familiarity. We're not going to go create a hypothetical hall that doesn't exist anywhere and say, wow, we're putting on the Canadian International Auto Show in Toronto right here. No, that's not what happens. We're using the Metro Toronto Convention Centre as our, as, our, as our venue. Of course, Uh you don't have to deal with escalators and things like that. But the floor plan, uh, uh, the the layout of the floor plan and everything as we've had in the past will be there. So people will understand. There'll be familiarity. There'll be consistency. Mm -hmm. The second big bucket is that we have to teach manufacturers how to use the platform. And by teaching means we have to have an open discussion with them saying, you can go much wider and much deeper on your brand experience. It's going to be different than a physical event. But there are also, there's a silver lining here in that some of the content that you couldn't possibly include in a a physical event. You can now include in a virtual platform. Mm -hmm. If General Motors wanted to have Mary Barra addressing the Canadian marketplace on the manufacturing of electric vehicles for the Canadian marketplace, well, they could do that. But because of her scheduling, because of costs and things like that, they probably couldn't get her to come at a physical event. So there's opportunities there from a content perspective they always want to at a physical show they want to exude this is what our brand experience this is our brand voice our brand essence this is what we want to get across to consumers and show why we're different than our competitors that's sometimes difficult to execute when you've got a hall full of people and everything like that but you've got a very controlled environment which you can you know where you, where you've got you know sole attention of people when you've got a, a
0: virtual show now dave since you've uh, you've presented this now to the manufacturers are most
4: of them coming on board well, let's put it this way: we don't have signed contracts right now. We're not at that point, but uh, we are at the point of uh, discussing. We've discussed it with just about every manufacturer now, and it's been a it's been a dog and pony show for the last couple of weeks. And I'd say there's optimism, and I, I think the, the likelihood of us uh, putting together a show uh, is uh, is pretty good right now.
1: What's your cutoff date?
4: Well, we're looking to have this all wrapped up and decisions made by the end of September.
1: Wow, this is going to yeah, be exciting. So,
4: it is. And, you know, we, the one thing I, I keep saying to everybody, though, when they say, well, you know, if we click through here, we do No, no, no. We're building a show. We're not building a website. We're building a show. So mm-hmm. there will be specific times that you can access. It's, it's, going to, it's going to copy what we've done in the past. Opening day on February 12th will be 1030 a.m. until 10 p.m. We're going to have a virtual media day. So we've asked manufacturers to give us, you know, to continue with embargoes on certain products, on, on specific announcements and unveilings and, and just what they would typically do in a, in, a, uh, in a physical event at media day. So we're asking them to commit to the same level that they have in the past. And then, you know, when, so when consumers come to the show, well, we have to think of things. So, so what do they do? Well, hardly anybody comes on their own. Less than 3% of the people come to the auto show on their own. Okay, so let's introduce a co-browsing technology so you can connect with a friend and you can go through the show together. Wow, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Another thing is that you never go to an auto show and you're walking through the event and it's just empty, right? You okay? I'll walk over here and click on this. No, there's noise, there's excitement, there's atmosphere. So I want to know what the ambience platform is behind it. I want to see what the little avatars are like running around. Do we include more avatars during busier times or do we do we simply keep it for our decor purposes, right? Hey, can you tap that one person on the shoulder and share information? I mean, there's a lot that we have to do to create wow from a technology perspective, but also from a content perspective. So we're looking at it from both sides.
0: So, so if, you, if you get the okay
4: come September, then by February, when we normally run the show, you'll be ready? Well, it's going to run February 12th to 21st. Oh, it's there you go. Run the same. And, and the thing is, too, that because of some of the ideas that we've shared with the manufacturers, for instance, one of them being if you want to host – a physical event offsite. If you want to take out a warehouse space somewhere and you want to have 15 cars on display, well, you can connect from your virtual platform to that physical event. So we have to have specific hours of operation. We just can't leave it running all the time and people going because manufacturers are going to have to pay attention to this. They're going to have to have assets and people assigned to the event. They're going to, whether it's through chat rooms or brand ambassadors, utilizing some of these, you know, the technologies, these meeting technologies, zoom and, and, uh, uh, some of these uh, uh, tools that are provided to us today, well, then they can connect. They can say, take me into the back seat of that car. Show me the dashboard on this. Like, you can do that if that's what you want to do. But your experience is going to be totally up to you. We're going to be Dave, in the audience. We're yeah. running out of track, Dave.
0: Uh, if people want to see, you know, what to expect, where do they go?
4: Well, we're not we're not up on AutoShow.ca yet, but that will be the first one. Usually, we launch with our ticketing site around the first of November, so we're going to need the next forty five days to get this uh, mm-hmm. get this up and running. But AutoShow.ca will be the perfect pre planning tool. It'll, be, it'll serve the same purpose as it's done in the past. And uh, from the AutoShow.ca, obviously, we're going to have the uh, the virtual presentation of the twenty twenty one Canadian International Auto Show. It's going to be exciting. We have got a big hill to climb, but I think that the industry is engaged. Yes.
1: If, you got you got guts.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no brains, baby. <maybe. laughs>
0: Are you kidding? It sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody yeah. does play along.
1: And <laughs> yeah. um, it, it could be very good. Well, we're going to have yeah. you back on. You're going to keep us up, up to date. And we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes.
4: Okay. All right, gentlemen. Hey,
1: thank you, David.
0: You. Lots of okay. luck. Have a great long weekend. Thank you. Thank you both. Bye-bye. This
1: was Dave McLean, and Dave is actually the general manager of the Canadian International Auto Show. And we were down there last year with our town hall, and maybe we'll do a virtual town hall this year. Al, take us out of here.
0: There you go. In fact, I was excited. You know, that was the beginning of COVID last year when, when that actually was on. And I remember how safe they were. They were cleaning stuff and really looking
1: out for the And people. how lucky they were to get the show in in time. Exactly. All right. After the break,
0: Dave and Al are going to discuss more emails. Let's see if he can stump us. This is uh, listeners' emails, of course. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back.
1: So, Al, I got an email just, just a few minutes ago. Yeah. General Motors and Honda have mm-hmm. signed a memo of understanding from North America to have an automotive alliance. Can you imagine GM and Honda are hooking up together?
0: Well, you know what? Why do you need to have so much you know, R&D departments, yeah. you're all you're all working towards the same goals anyways. I mean, we're trying to get more cars, more efficient. We're, we're trying to extend battery life in vehicles. I mean, they're going to all have electric cars. I mean, they pretty much all have electric cars now. Certainly they have hybrids, they have plug in hybrids. And most manufacturers, within the next two years, will have full-on electric vehicles. You don't need to have four million engineers trying to figure out how to make them work better and faster. Exactly
1: right. So Get they had better. an agreement already with producing electric cars, and so I guess they've built on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, you know why? It's called platform building. You basically build one chassis and you put a different body on it. Chrysler does that all the time. And mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be a great alliance. I mean, yeah. Honda is a really great engineering company. Uh, mm-hmm. GM has got the power. So there you go. Maybe cars will be cheaper. I don't
0: think <laughs> uh, I, But I wonder, you know, people have their certain alliances, you know, people like Chevys, people like Fords. I wonder if they all work together, how's that going to happen? Yeah. Are they going to have a favorite? I'm a, I am was always a Blue Oval guy. Now you want me to, you know, get involved with those Oriental people or what?
1: Well, you know what? When you say Oriental people, it's because they're building them in Maryland, Ohio. They build them in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. They build them in Alliston. They build That's them here. That's true.
0: They come from everywhere. We've been building, you know, yes. Japanese cars, so to speak, in Canada for over 25 years already.
1: More than that. More than that. Actually, I think it goes back to almost to the 80s.
0: Okay. There you right,
1: go. It's actually phenomenal. So there you go. Interesting. Just came in just just hot off the wire. General Motors and Honda said Thursday they've signed a memo of understanding to form a North American Automotive Alliance.
0: All right. You know, Dave, we've got this pandemic that we're it's sort of gripping everybody. And as a result, you know, people aren't able to just get on a plane and go someplace without worrying. So everybody has sort of kept their bubble they're, they're keeping their family together. You know, you can only have 10 people. And a great way to do this, to, to, to experience a holiday of some sort, is by taking that bubble and moving them as one to their next destination. And how are they going to do that? They're going to do it in a motorhome or some kind of recreational vehicle right after the break if you've certainly not known anything about recreational vehicles before stick around because deborah hendrickson from wayfair insurance is going to be talking about recreational vehicles of course and uh where you can find out maybe you got one already and you just need some a good price of insurance she'll help you out with that any questions that and more stick around this is dave's corner garage we'll be right back
1: Okay, we're back, and we have uh, Debbie Hendrickson, and she is with Wayfarer. I like the way you say that. It's Wayfarer Insurance, so you're not buying a couch. (laughs) No, we're not buying a
2: couch. We're not selling a couch.
1: No. Debbie, how are you? I'm great today. How are you? Great. So let's talk about RVs. People are going crazy for RVs. You know, when you go up the 400 Highway and you get to around Highway 11, there's like Thousands of them being sold. So, how big is the market in RVs, and what do people need to know?
2: Oh, yeah, the market right now is taking off. Um, it's a combination of a bunch of things, really. There's lots of new people getting into the hobby. Uh, lots of opportunity. Given some of the other travel constraints, it's a great way to get out, spend time, you know, with your family, get connected, and enjoy the outdoors. So, well, we'll sure. This way, way
0: this way, you know, you can keep it to your own circle. Correct? Absolutely. That's right, because you're 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 carrying your own house on your back, kind of thing, and and you don't have to worry <laughs> about being infected by anybody else. But a lot of these people now are renters, correct? They're not necessarily buying them, or is it going both ways?
2: Oh, it's it's definitely going both ways. The the market we're actually seeing um, uh, you know, a, a, an issue around availability kind of hitting us right now. I mean, that'll level out early next year, I'm sure. But um, with the increased demand in in purchasing, uh. That's having an impact on pricing too, right? Which is not unexpected. Um, we've got the aluminum tariffs coming in from the U.S. You know, the Canadian dollar comparison because these units are manufactured in the in the U.S. and mm-hmm. there's a bit of a, a slowdown in supply just given some of the COVID constraints. Um, mm-hmm. So there, it's there's a premium on them for sure. But um, you can get new, you can get used, and you know, we would always encourage you to go to a a reputable RV dealer to to find what you're looking for,
1: Debbie. But you know, when you compare that to a cottage, which starts at a million dollars, I mean, it's a fantastic alternative for a family to go out and and enjoy themselves.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, that's a great a great point, Dave. And and there is a wide variety of RVing. Uh, components to, to choose from, you know, starting with your your tent trailers, your travel tra- trailers, your fifth wheels, which is the you know the big ones that hook mm-hmm. onto your trucks, uh, park models, and you know the motorhomes. So you got you know something you can buy from the low fifteen to twenty thousand dollars all the way to the six figures. So,
1: lots what of are some choices. of the things that we should look out for, like when we're if if we're buying something to make sure that it fits our family? Is that the most best criteria?
2: Well, it, that's actually a, a great question because one of the things uh, that we find many new newbies, if we can call it that, to the RV industry, um, need to to consider what is the right size for your family. A lot of times, they buy more than they need, <laughs> and when you're towing something like that or moving something like that, it, you got to think about those two, three, four extra feet can make all the difference. So, well,
0: okay. then of course, as well, I mean. People have to know what they're up against if they've never done it before. I, I can't imagine having to explain to my wife that th- there's no bathroom in the unit, okay? <laughs> and we may have to look for a log or a tree.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm not going in there. <laughs> You'd be surprised. A lot of the – even the smaller units, the, the trailers now have facilities, and certainly the, the fifth wheels and the bigger motorhomes have everything you can imagine and more uh, available so um when you're pulling something like that of that size and or if you're driving a motorhome you know you need to focus on your driving skills and there's specialized training for uh you know driving an rv as well that is available you can talk to your dealer, um, and certainly through the Explorer Club. There's lots of experience out there to, to do that.
1: You know, something I was going to bring up was if we're, we have a vehicle that's insured in Canada, we're going down to the States. Are we automatically insured when we go down to the U.S.?
2: Uh, Yeah, for a period of time, you just have to make sure that your coverage, your policy coverage uh, outlines that. We have lots of uh, Canadian insurance customers who travel to the U.S., Uh, obviously not now given the constraints, but Mm -hmm. certainly historically and certainly in the
1: future. Um, So you just want to make sure that that's all covered in your policy. So that's something you should be looking out for, especially if you're, you know, you're new to the game. So whoever is advising you for the insurance should be making sure that you are covered in the U.S. And I also noticed in Mexico, there's also coverage for Mexico.
2: There is. You do have to buy special coverage for Mexico, but we do have that available and it is available.
0: Oh, can you buy that here now? Because I remember in the old days, you couldn't buy it until you actually got to Mexico.
2: Uh, we've got an online, uh, process where you can buy oh, cool. it through one of our partners at Wayfair. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to make that easy. And, you know, as lots of things are on, available online, and that's one of the opportunities that is, is there and available now.
0: Deb, earlier you talked about the Explorer Club. Um, maybe you can explain a little bit more about that.
2: Sure. The uh, Explorer Club, which is part of the Wayfair Insurance Group family, is a, an RV club. It's actually the largest RV, uh, club in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it's a member services club where we provide uh, discounts, discount on your insurance actually, as well as uh, discounts to parks and with various dealers and a bunch of other things that uh, you know relevant to the to the RV industry. Um, and they also provide a great service for emergency roadside uh, service, which a lot of again new to the industry uh, or new to RV may not realize that you need specialized. Emergency roadside coverage for your RV because you you know you need a flatbed for example if it needed to be towed so that's one of the, uh, the one of the things that the Explorer RV Club provides at a, at a preferred rate for their members.
0: Do they also talk? Can you go go to find out for example you know which the better parks are and what amenities each one has? Do they have that kind of information?
2: We do have links to some of the information. Um we have uh dealer opportunities as well and and parks through the Canada Parks. There's lots of great information available on the site.
0: All right, new uh for just because it's COVID, the COVID Summer Photo Contest. What's that all about?
2: <laughs> well, that's uh it's a great little contest. We want it to be fun and interesting. We're really encouraging our community to share photos that uh, you know, inspire others. So, we're asking um everyone to share their photos that could be their summer staycation you know could be their own backyard could be a local park a cottage or they're traveling you know in ontario or for that matter across canada um to send in their photos and it could be from a previous vacation something spectacular mm-hmm. um yeah, there's a draw submit your photos and it's an opportunity to win a great yeti prize package which will be a lot of
1: fun. You know what? Before we, we let you go, I wanted to say how great your site was. There's so much information on your website, not just for RVing, but for classic cars and other things that you cover. It's, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Every time you click on something else, you're into a whole new area of RVing. You know, I didn't realize that there was so many different types of, of motorhomes and so many different types of trailers and all these different units. It's just a phenomenal. It, it's exciting.
2: Yeah, we've got something for everybody, I think. So thanks for the feedback on the website. That's great. And absolutely, lots of tips. There's the find a dealer section there. I would encourage everybody who is interested in getting into RVE wants insurance information to go to the website, wayfairinsurancegroup.com. So W-A-Y-F-A-R-E-R, insurancegroup.com.
0: Great, Deb. Thank you very much, and have yourself a great long weekend.
2: You guys, too. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Thank All you right, very take much, care. All All right. That's okay.
1: a
2: wrap.
0: I know. Could you believe it? We're done already. Can't believe it. Got to thank Dave McLean. Yes, of course. From uh, the Canadian International Auto Show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're in the back rooms of the auto show.
0: Uh, we want to thank Kerry Schmidt, our fr- friendly OPP officer, yep. who, who's trying to remind everybody, please slow down. Uh, you get in an accident, it's really going to mess up your schedule. So take it easy. Watch out for the, any emergency vehicles or construction. Slow down, pull over to the side, and uh, be nice. And I want to thank De- Deborah Hendrickson, of course, from Wayfarer yep. that we just finished with. If you're looking for a motorhome and you don't know much about them, check out their website, wayfarerinsurancegroup.com. Great information. Dave was there for hours, eh?
1: Actually, I did spend 20 minutes on there, yeah. because <laughs> I don't know anything about RVs, and all of a sudden I'm an expert. You didn't know
0: anything about the interweb uh, either <laughs> a little while ago. <laughs> well, there you go.
1: Remember, keep the shiny side up and the greasy side down, and we'll see you back here next week. Goodbye, well, bye, everybody.
3: everybody. Who cares about the clouds where we together?
0: Just sing a song and bring the Happy